everyone doing tonight uh welcome back to the program uh as you just heard my name is benner and i'm the host of black Mont distros takeover tuesday and we're broadcasting live to facebook twitch twitter and youtube and also retransmitting of course to all the major streaming platforms including apple and spotify uh please remember to like follow share and subscribe uh if on whatever platform you're following us on or listening to us on and uh of course it helps us out um I'll be honest, uh, but it also helps out our awesome guests that come on the program and helps uh, promote the projects that they're a part of as well, which is always uh, super positive and, and something well worth doing. So uh, we've got a great program uh, for you tonight uh, as we've got Jason Rockman, who is the host of the Rockman Power Hour, a new podcast that's recently launched. But uh, uh, Rockman's got, that is his actual name too. That's his, that's his real name, Rockman. I know that's hard to believe. It's the coolest name ever. Uh, and he's like a, a rock star in his own right. He does a whole bunch of stuff uh, and he's got a Whole bunch of projects on the go all of which are awesome and uh you'll you'll understand why uh, as we kind of get into this interview and uh we get to the end of the hour um you're really going to understand kind of how much stuff this guy actually does and how much of it is worth checking out so uh he's he's in the green room right now uh if uh, he's giving me the thumbs up so that's awesome uh, he's ready to go and uh you know what uh Myself and, 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 and Jason, we go back a few years and uh, I assure you, we are, we're not going to run out of things to talk about, lots to go through. And so this is going to be a good one. Uh, quick shout out to our sponsors as well, just on the top of the hour, uh, Wellington Breweries, Hellas Lager, uh, Deadly Grounds Coffee, as well as Twisted Teas. Uh, thank you so much for your sponsorship. Um, they have, uh, they're small businesses and they work with us uh, in partnership with us um, to kind of prom help promote the show. And also uh, keep us going, keep us fueled, uh, whether we're out on the road or uh, during a pandemic or a lockdown, if we're at home, uh, they still keep us going. And that's fantastic. If you're looking to get uh, pick up uh, some of the Deadly Grounds coffee, we also have our Black Font distribution blend, uh, Appetite for Caffeination, Sweet Toffee of Mine, available in our online store. Uh, and I think it's still on sale. So uh, as part of the Black Friday um, take or black friday cyber monday sale um so if you're looking to pick some of that up uh check it out in the store so uh thanks again for our sponsors we do appreciate your support and uh of course uh, anyone out there if you can check them out that'd be great as well uh of course as i mentioned uh we've got jason rockman uh he's in the studio uh and he's going to be uh chatting all kinds of stuff um you know it's gonna be a good one stick around uh but before we get there we gotta hit the news Watching at home. We can't stand 
out of the kitchen. Remember, we care. We care, 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 care. There are certain inherent risks that come with the territory. Top story, boy. Top, top, top story, boy. We'll give you the worry, the worry, the worry. Top story, 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 story. All right, uh, this is the news segment, and this is our top story. We've got all the news right here. I'm just going to slide over so that box isn't over my head. Um, but uh, listen, uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, and we'll just make it quick. Uh, of course, we want to get over to the interview of Rockman in a few minutes, um, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but some things to mention and to let you know about. First and foremost, um, we got to talk about the new Ghostbusters movie. Uh I absolutely love this movie. I know a lot of people went to check it out opening weekend. It's done better than expected at the box office, which is great. Uh, it goes delayed a few times and uh, it is just an absolute gem of a movie as far as I'm concerned. Um, and uh, take that however you want, take that with a grain of salt, but uh, it's certainly worth checking out. And uh, also they've done, they've tried so hard to kind of bring back um, some of the the vibe of the Ghostbusters o- over the last few years, uh, whether it's through cartoons or other live action projects. Uh, but this one, actually does hit the mark as far as i'm concerned and it looks like it feels like a it feels like steven spielberg directing a ghostbusters movie so i know a lot of people say it's heavy on the nostalgia but uh i think that's a good thing i think comedian uh um, which comedian was it? I'm not sure, but uh, uh, said, yeah, it's comforting, right? It's it's familiar. It's comforting, just like a, a mac and cheese and potato mashed potatoes of gravy. Uh, it's a really um, uh, it's a really decent flick and uh, definitely one worth checking out, especially over the holidays. If you're in the U.S., check it out over the Thanksgiving Day uh, or the I guess the Cyber Monday week or whatever, uh, or before Christmas. It's a great film for the whole family and uh, something that I think um, will resonate with a lot of people and fans of the series out there. Uh, moving on, uh, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to um, our uh, friends over at Blood in the Snow Film Festival. Uh, Blood in the Snow uh, did, just hosted their uh, their 10th year uh, in Toronto. Uh, we were fortunate to have uh, Peppergrass, which is one of our new acquisitions, uh, play the festival and actually won Best Poster Art at the film festival. And uh, our sister company, Black Fawn Films, actually had Vicious Fun in the festival as well, which won Best Feature. Uh, so congrats to, uh, congrats to uh, our, our crew over there. And uh, a big shout out to Kelly and... Um, uh, Kirk, uh, uh, Jen, who am I missing? Mel, uh, their whole team over there at blood in the snow. They're fantastic, uh, fantastic individuals. And, uh, they run a really, really tight ship and it's a Canadian, all Canadian film festival. It really helps, uh, support up and coming filmmakers as well as established ones uh, across Canada and their new deal with super channel as well actually allows people across the country to check out their films as well. So make sure you check them out online, uh, Blood in the Snow, uh, Blood in the Snow Film Festival, and uh, follow them on uh, on Instagram if you can as well. Uh, they do host their film festival every, I think it's every November. I think sometimes it goes into December, but usually it's the end of, uh, of each November. Um, so make sure you check that out if you can. Now, uh, I just wanted to, we do a little, little segment with a physical media product, and uh, I just wanted to take the time to review this movie, which is one of my favorites, True Romance. It's on. This is the 4K. Another Arrow release as well. Uh, we don't want to get. Uh, we don't want to get too. Too. Uh, we don't want to play favorites, of course. But uh, this is an absolute beautiful box set. Uh, it looks like an old kind of like pulp, pulp kind of novel on the side. I don't know if you can see that. Um, but thing this open, you get the original artwork there from the poster art and uh, quick unboxing as well. Uh, you get some postcards in here, uh, which are replications of the uh, 
the lobby cards that were issued as part of the film back in the 90s. You get this sweet double-sided poster, which is pretty awesome. I won't fold it out on here just for time constraints. Uh, and you also get this awesome like 60-page book, uh, which is, features, of course, interviews and um, uh, essays on the film. Uh, definitely uh, one of my personal favorite movies of all time, uh, one of Tarantino's first that he wrote and obviously directed by the late, great Tony Scott. Um, if you're a fan of this film, you need to try and pick this up. Uh, it does cost a few bucks. I don't know if they'll be a US release or a North American release. This one came from England or the UK, um, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely worth uh, picking up if you're a fan of uh, of this film. Uh, great transfer and uh, it's 4K. Uh, we're going to talk to, I'm not going to talk about too much about 4K because I got Rockman on the other side. We're going to dive into 4K because we're bo both big fans of it. And uh, so so we'll uh, we'll leave that for that. And moving on, we've got uh, also um, quickly, uh, the fried chicken sandwich report. Of course, uh, this is the segment of the show where I go out uh, every two weeks and I try a chicken sandwich and then tell you how good it is. Uh, and the last uh, chicken sandwich that I had was uh, tried a couple this week. We tried the new Subway sandwich. Um, not that great, about two and a half. Um, what else did we try? We tried the A&W uh, uh, chubby chicken burger and the chubby chicken buddy burger, which is the smaller version of it, smaller version, surprisingly, uh, better than the, than the, than the bigger version. Uh, and also, um, there's one I'm forgetting, but we've got a top 10 ranking that I'm going to throw up on the screen just recently or in a few minutes, but I will say this fried chicken sandwiches are delicious. They taste so damn good that I will eat them all the time. That was something I kind of uh, did during the pandemic. I used to be kind of a cheeseburger guy and I still am, but I really like fried chicken sandwiches uh, uh, now, which is, I don't know. I don't know, really know how that happened, but it's here to stay. So this is what we do. Anyway, I went to St. Louis uh, and tried their Southern uh, chicken sandwich. And here's a photo of me uh, right here eating it. Uh, delicious uh, shredded lettuce, uh, some really nice Southwestern sauce that you can actually add on yourself. So you can, you can, you can, you know, uh, balance out the heat or how much, how much sauce you want on it. Uh, really, really delicious sandwich. Uh, of course, we judge these sandwiches by three categories. One is value, one is size, and the other is taste. Um, but for this one, value uh it's a little bit expensive because you're in a restaurant so um but the taste is really really good size is pretty adequate so we're going to go three and a half out of five uh we only rate st stuff out of stars just like we rate movies uh but so st louis fried chicken sandwich uh it is three and a half out of five and of course here is our top 10 ranking right now of the chicken sandwiches that we've tried which is uh still number one zinger chick zinger chick which is the one i reviewed on the last uh last episode of the program uh, fantastic. And of course, Popeye's with the hottie, ch the hottie chicken sandwich with, uh, from, uh, Megan, the stallion, uh, that collaboration, which is pretty awesome. And then we've got St. Louis ranking there at number three, three and a half stars, or I guess tied for second. And, uh, we do have a request to review Coco's chicken in Guelph. Um, we got that last episode. So that is on the docket. We are going to review Coco's chicken on the next episode of takeover Tuesday. Uh, now, uh, moving right along, uh, if you have a, um, if you have a suggestion for the show or looking to get in touch with us, um, feel free to uh, drop us a line at takeover at blackfondistribution.com. Uh, so we've got, um, now, uh, if you've got a recommendation for a chicken sandwich place too, please send that to us and we will do our best to check it out as long as we don't have to fly halfway across the world to try it. But Stranger things have happened, so just let us know. Uh, and last but not least, uh, we've got a, uh, let's do our intro to our guest. Um, 
I love this guy. He's awesome. Uh, he's the host of the new podcast that just recently launched uh, called the Rockman Power Hour. You can check it out on YouTube as well as all the major podcast streaming platforms, including Apple and Spotify and all the, all that fun stuff. Wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you get our podcast, make sure you make sure you subscribe and follow and uh, um, and check out the Rockman Power Hour. Uh, the first whack of episodes are now available online, and he's he's interviewed some awesome people already. It's insane, and we're going to get to that in a few minutes, but uh, including. This is a, the list of people he's already interviewed is a uh, director, Denis Villeneuve, uh, who directed Dune Blade Runner 2049 legend, uh, John Taylor from Duran Duran and also rock stars such as Nikki six from Motley Crue and Zach Wilde, uh, just to name a few. So he's also Jason Rockman is also the vocalist of slaves on dope and Kings of quarantine. And, uh, listen from playing, he's played Ozfest. He's launched a successful clothing label. Uh, he's done it all. Uh, so we figured we'd, uh, we'd play the intro to the, to the Rockman power hour just to give people a taste and, uh, which features, believe it or not, members of run DMC and crazy town in his intro track. Redonkulous. Anyway, uh, check it out. Uh, we've got uh, Rockman, Jason Rockman live on the other side, and we'll get to chatting with them right after this. All right. And we're back with Jason Rockman. Let's throw him up on the screen. Let's hey. take him out of that green room. Hey, man. How are you? How'd you get out of that blazer so quick? You're great. You know what? Uh, I've, watched, I've watched a lot of uh, Lady Gaga documentaries. Right. So you can do uh, costume changes quick. So I can I can do the costume change. Um, and, you just uh, walk off and you have you, you just go like this. And someone pulls like four yeah, people pulling yeah. shit. <laughs> Nobody can see it. There's actually like there's a group of people over here that right. attend to uh, that attend to all that stuff um, when I'm uh, when I'm off camera. Um, so that's awesome. But uh, yeah, listen. Um, thanks for thanks for joining the show. And and I know you're a busy guy, as I mentioned off the top. Um, I mean, you have a, a ridiculous amount of stuff going on. I yeah. personally don't know how you fit it all in. Um, so thanks when I called you up and said, "Hey, man, do you want to come on the program? Like, we can maybe we can help promote the show and like." you'll help promote our show and that'll be cool. And you were like, yeah, sure, man. Like what time do you need? Like, can we do it end of November? And I was like, I don't even understand how you have time to do all this stuff. But, um, like you, you've interviewed everyone. Like, I mean, yeah, even I that intro video is like crazy. It's like Rob Halford and like ice tea and like, you know, just anyone and everyone. How did you, you're now doing it as your own podcast at the yeah. rock and power hour. Tell us about how that kind of came to be. And, and, well, how you, how you got a, got that off the ground? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, and of course, you know when you message me and you ask me to to come on, I mean, I, I'm going to say yes because I love hanging out with you. I love hanging out with anybody. Anything to do with Black Fawn, I'm I'm always excited about. I my relationship with you guys and with this company goes way back to you know to my the early days with Chad. So I, right. I I love you guys. I'm a fan to begin with. I'm a fan of all the stuff you guys put out. Um, I'm a fan of all the physical releases. I've got most of them. Um, so I'm, I'm down with, you know, I'm down with this stuff. So I'm, I'm really excited to be able to, to come hang and to talk about stuff. So, um, so thanks for having me on. I, listen, it's funny because, you know, you were playing the intro and I'm so proud of that because that's just two of my friends that helped me out. 
And it sounds so douchey when you say it like that, but it really just is that. I mean, I became friends with DMC um, and I asked him, hey man, I'm doing a podcast. I'd love to have you do the intro. He was like, 100%. And you know, he's done intros for other things for me. I had a TV show for a while. He did that. Like D's just one of these guys. It's just a good dude. So I think when you when you have someone like him, who was so important to probably you and to me growing up, that mm-hmm. is so humble and so not bullshit. It just kind of forces you to be the same way. So I just kind of like when you learn from people like that and you say, well, here's a guy that's a Grammy award winner. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He literally messaged me when he got off stage with the Grammys and he did a performance with Aerosmith, like the second to last Grammys. And he got off stage and I was watching with my daughter and I texted him. I said, great job, D. My daughter loved it. He messaged me back and he was like, oh, that's so cute. Tell her I say hi. Like when someone like that takes the time to to message you back, it just makes you realize that you should always be like that with everyone. Do you know right. what I mean? It's just just being a good person. So I think that general attitude has helped me a lot of my life. It's helped me a lot just to to be able to talk to interesting people and and you know when you have when you have people in front of you that have been talked to a lot, um, it's important that at least for me that you make a connection that there's a real connection that happens that it's not just you know you're not just a fucking talking head talking you know giving spewing off questions that they've had asked to them a million times. It's I think it's important to to, to establish some kind of a connection. So with that in mind, you know, a trying to be a good person and b trying to be an interesting interviewer that has interesting stuff to chat about in a conversation style or conversational more, uh, style, it, it just, it lends itself to, to you just getting better and better people, um, that you end up chatting with, you know, and, and, and I don't mean better in terms of them being, but you know, I've had a chance to talk to some really fucking cool people. And, and I think it's, it was a combination of being in the right place at the right time, saying yes to everything. And, then eventually gaining the trust because there are gatekeepers, as you know, in every business. Right. And there's gatekeepers when it comes to these people that they're not going to let you anywhere near them unless they trust you. So I think it's gaining trust. I think once in a while it's doing favors for publicists that, you know, they might have someone that's not as popular that you, that they, they want you to talk to and you do that for them and, and they help you out by giving you someone who's a little, like it's, a, it's just relationships, I think. And, but again, it all comes down to just being a good person. If you're a decent person, you can, you can really accomplish a lot in life, but if your you know, kindness goes a long way, um, you know, n- not being a bullshitter goes a long way, just being straight up. Um, so I think that's, you know, you're asking me how did all that come about? I mean, I've been really lucky my whole life that a lot of, I've had a lot of really cool things come my way, but you know, at one point I have to say, okay, what part did I play in it? And I think the part I played in it was just being, being cool the whole time, you know, not, not being a dick and with the, and the situations where I was more of a dick. I probably didn't do as well as I would have done if I wouldn't have been a dick, you know, but that's just part of growing up. So, well, let's take a step back. Yeah. Uh, maybe just a second, because we're going to talk about uh, the Rockman power hour. Cause it's a, it's a fantastic show for anyone who uh, hasn't checked it out yet. You can just, just search it on uh, uh, YouTube. You can also search it on uh, Apple podcasts as well as Spotify. Uh, but really it's, it's a, it's a short and sweet radio program, lots of stuff covered in it and really cool guests uh, that, uh, and, and I'm sure many more on the way. Um, yeah. Like the first episode, I remember we dropped the first episode and it was uh, Denny Villeneuve from director of Dune, Rebecca Ferguson, who plays lady Jessica from Dune. And then, uh, 
uh, Bill from Macedon. And I was just like, that's one program. Like that's yes. insane. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. And you got, yeah. you got to launch, you got to, you got to jump in with a big splash on your first episode for sure. But, yeah. um, but I've checked out most of the episodes since then, because it's just something you can throw in the background. And like you said, you're just kind of listening to, it's just, you were just, you're just shooting the shit, right? You're just talking and chatting with somebody. It doesn't feel like it's like, this is an interview segment. It just feels more so like, uh, you could, you know, two guys just talking in a room or, or two people, sorry, talking in a room, uh, just chatting it up. Right. So, yeah, I, I think that's the, that's the whole point of that show is not, is not for it to come across as, um, you know, an entertainment tonight or need talk kind of one of those fine kind of interviews, which is fine. You know, there's, there's something for everyone, but I just want it to be a cool conversation. I want it, you know, if you were a fly on the wall, I would, I, I would want people to, to say, I, I, I want to be a fly on the wall. If they were chatting, you know what I mean? Cause so many times I would post a picture and, and people are like, oh man, that must have been so cool to talk to Liam Gallagher, you know? And they'd be like, I wish I was a fly on the wall to be able to see that or hear that. And, and you know, you get to a point where it's like, well, if you can have conversations with these people and other people can enjoy them, why not? But right. I would want, the, but I want them to be the kind of conversations I would have if I was in front of a camera and, you know, or if I wasn't. And I really believe that. Like every conversation that I'll have on this show will be, as authentic as it can be. It's going to be what you would hear outside of, you know, it, outside of playing a uh, pressing record. It's pretty much what you would hear. Right. And what's the, uh, so let's take, uh, like I mentioned, like let's take a step back because me and you have been friends for, for a few years. And, mm. you know, we, I mean, we used to see each other all the time when, when there was convention, like real in-person conventions going yeah. on and uh, travel wasn't as restrictive and that sort of stuff. But um, you've been like, you started slaves on dope when like years ago, like almost three decades ago, yeah. uh, you've, you've sort of, and, and also I, sh I should mention this as well. Like, um, I, I want to ask you where the fountain of youth is as well, because I watched one of the slaves on dope videos that was like 10 years old and you look exactly the same. <laughs> like you haven't aged at all. Uh, it's funny. Like, my, my, my wife was, um, <laughs> we went out for lunch today and, um, she's like, you're coughing a lot. You're like, <clears throat> you're clearing your throat. I'm like, well, I'm a little phlegmy. It's the winter, you know? And then when we were finished, I, I had a little packet of those, like, you know, those little gummy picks you pick your teeth with. Yeah. And I took it out and I'm picking my teeth. She's like, what the fuck is happening to you? She's like, <laughs> you're really like getting old, right? Like you're, you know, but so, you know, if you were to ask her, she'd tell you a different story. But I, I mean, I think a lot of it is just not drinking. Like I haven't right. drank it. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I guess in the last, 10 years or so, 12, no, 12 years now, almost I stopped eating meat. Um, and I know you're, and I was watching you doing your chicken sandwich alert <laughs> or chicken sandwich roundup. And I was going to say pizza, pizza has a great vegan chicken sandwich that you should try. Listen, uh, so and, put, and put that on, put that down on the list to review because it might blow you away. It, it's all, it, yeah, it, it can be called a chicken sandwich. I am totally into trying those. Yeah. Uh, I know a while back before I actually even started this program for, for black Fawn distro was that, um, I went around and tried all of the fake, uh, uh, hamburgers. Yeah. Like the fake cheeseburgers. What was your uh, favorite? The A&W was the best. It was the, it was like, it was so good that I was like, um, if, if you, if you just gave me, if I said, go and get me a cheeseburger and you brought me that back and I, yeah, it, me, yeah. The A&W beyond meat burger is, and I it's funny because we, we were, we were driving today and I saw A&W and I was like, Oh yeah, I just saw an ad somewhere on, online that they're two for one. <laughs> I was like, we should stop again. We should each get one. But, but no, but, um, but I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, eating well, trying to eat well and, and not drinking. I mean, definitely not drinking because alcohol, you know, alcohol is great. If you can do it, I couldn't do it. And that's why I stopped. And it's been almost you know, it's 29 years. So I think that helps. I think that helps a lot. 
Right. So, yeah. so you, so sorry. So did you, you quit drinking like 29 years ago? Is, yeah. Or, I, st- I, quit, yeah. I quit drinking when I was 21 and I've been sober consistently since then. So gotcha. you know, if you're asking, I mean, that probably helps the aging thing a little bit, you know, I'm sure. Cause if I was to drink the way I used to drink every day, I'm sure. I'm sure. It'd look a little different, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably be pickling myself from the inside and then eventually it would work its way, work its way out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess good genes. My mom, you know, my mom's, my mom's 70 something. And some of my friends still think she's pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> Uncomfortably. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Why are you looking at my mom that way? Shout out, <laughs> shout out to moms everywhere. Moms. Uh, <laughs> well, listen, we got, uh, like I wanted to, I actually don't know how you got, like how your career sort of went. I know the broad strokes, Yeah, but, um, obviously you were, you know, you were vocalist in slaves on dope. You still are. Yeah. Um, but you got signed to, uh, Ozzy and Sharon Osborne's record label. Uh, you played Ozfest. um, you traveled around the world, at least around North America. And then you kind of got into doing interviews. You were on the radio. Uh, and now you've kind of gone into, you have all these tendrils sort of out. You, you, you yeah. know, we'll get into all those projects if we have time. Uh, um, and, but, how did you kind of gravitate towards music and movies to begin with? Like, is that something that was always part of you when you were growing up and then you were like, let's start a band or, or was that? No. I mean, so when I, when I was really, really young, I wanted to be an actor. That was my, my, my first thing. So I went into professional theater. Um, I went to a professional theater program at Dawson. Um, and I, it was a three-year program. I did, I did two years, but they really made me, they made me redo my first year. Um, after my first year in the program, they were like, look, we think you, you passed everything, but we really think you could have done a lot better. And, um, so we're asking you to re redo your first year. And I was like, fuck, you know? And at the time I was drinking and I was still using quite heavily. I did it. And then at the end of the year, um, it came time to my, my year, year, year end review. And I ended up getting the, the lead in my, in my, uh, end of year play and, and, and the actor studio and all that. And it was great. And, and they were like, we're so proud of you. You've really pulled your socks up. You've, you've done a great job. And I, and I remember it was clear as day, it was like flash dance style. You know, there's like the whole fucking pan, you know, review people in front of you and you're sitting there and, and they're giving you all their, their thoughts on how you did. And they, I said, did I prove that I could work at your level? And have I, have I done what you wanted me to do was redo my, take a year of my life and redo it. So you guys could be happy. They're like, absolutely. You're so ready for your second year. I'm like, no, I'm not. I quit. I walked out. Yeah. <laughs> and I was such, and I think back and it's like one of the, one of the regrets I have, because I would have loved to have finished that program, but I ended up leaving. I did some, um, some theater at McGill and, uh, and then I discovered, like I got into music, someone heard me singing and they were like, you really should try come and sing my band, you know, like I had a cover band and I went and jammed with these guys and I started singing. I always loved music. Like I was always a music, fucking music fanatic, like ever since I'm a little kid, but mm-hmm. I never thought I could sing. Um, this, this one guy really, you know, he's like, I think you can, you could sing, man. I've heard you, you know, I've heard you sing a little bit and I think you could really be a good singer. So I ended up getting involved with these guys and we started this band and and then I ended up sobering up and, um, I started, I was just like, it was all around like 91 when things started changing, like Jane's addiction came out. Um, Pearl jam was coming out. Music was really, really changing, you know, and I was big into like the late eighties, early nineties was a real, real pivotal time for music. There's a lot of that happened there. You know, yeah. there was living color. There was, um, there was the chili peppers that were like starting to pop. There was uh, faith no more. There was a lot of bands that were really like genre defying, you know, fishbone all before grunge. And they really kind of set the table and Jane's addiction were one of them. They set the table for the nineties. They really, really did because mm-hmm. the nineties, like there was no, no holds barred. So 
I was really getting involved with like music in terms of like just really listening to it from a different point of view. And I was big into Zeppelin, which obviously was older. And I just, I don't know, these guys convinced me to start jamming with them and I did it. And once I got onto a stage and started singing and as opposed to theater where you had to learn lines and you had to, you know, go to rehearsals and you had to do blocking and you had to do all this shit. And it was so fucking time, you know, it was so labor intensive and music was like, you know, I just go up and sing and you get fucking hammered and it's part of the show and it doesn't matter. And girls love people that go up on stage and, and it was just like, this is awesome. I love it. And that was it. I just never looked back and I did music and I sobered up. And when I sobered up is when, um, the guitar player that I was with at the time, we were in this other project and we met these other three guys and we started, we went to Lollapalooza together. Right. Um, the first, the second Lollapalooza in 1992. Was that and the I big, thought, is that the, was that the, the one that was like the great, it's like the greatest lineup of all time. Is that the one with like, it was a chili peppers, ministry. it was chili peppers, ministry, Pearl jam, Soundgarden, ice cube, yeah. ice cube. Yeah. I went to that one in Boston <laughs> and it was just fucking amazing. And it changed my life. It really did. It made me say, I want to do that. And we came back to Montreal and we formed slaves on dope. Um, and I, at the time when I went, I remember it was like six days sober when I went, I just gotten sober. I'd just gone to my first AA meeting and I was like, at the time my sponsor and a, you get a sponsor and, and my sponsor mm -hmm. was like, you really shouldn't go to fucking Boston for this show. And I'm like, I'm not going to drink, man. I want to go to this fucking show. And, and I remember it was the first big test. And, and I always, it, it made me realize early on that I could still be around alcohol because my relationship with alcohol is different. I don't want to have it anymore, you know? So, but it was really going to that show that changed everything. And, um, and then Slaves on Dope started and, you know, from like 93 to, I guess, 90, 93, late, early 93 to like 90. Eight, late 98, we, we did the Canadian thing where we went across Canada a bunch of times, tried to get signed. No one wanted to fucking have anything to do with a band called Slaves on Dope in Canada. But we still did 10 cross Canadian tours. You know, we toured with the Tea Party. We toured with Our Lady Peace. We toured with, you know, fucking all those 90s bands. The Watchmen, um, you know, Age of Electric, uh, all of them. Fucking every one of them. Conline Crush, we did tours with all those bands. And all those bands were just popping. But no one wanted, no band, no labels wanted to take any kind of an interest or a risk on us. Nobody. We got so many fucking rejection letters. It was disgusting. I used to frame them. Laminate really, them. eh? Yeah. And I used to laminate them and I put them in my bathroom. So that's kind of like, I mean, I have some history in the Canadian music, music industry as, as, as some people might know. Yeah. Um, the Canadian music industry is a, is a, it's a weird place. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, well, so let me tell you what happened. <clears throat> we moved to LA. In 1999, and the minute we moved to LA, within three months, we were offered like six record deals. It was ridiculous. We were offered deal after deal. And we were like, it was it was crazy. It was just that geographical change that we needed. And we were in the right place at the right time. Right. New metal was happening. And we, we, you know, we, we, we actually were about to sign a deal to Columbia. And, um, and Sharon Osborne snaked us away. She fucking came to see us play. She knew we were getting, we, we had a deal that was like about to be signed. And she came to see us in Vegas and no, she saw us with, we were playing with that band, Amen in Hollywood and great, great band. Love Amen. Yeah. Sun, Sunny yeah. from Amen is one of my best buddies. And, uh, you know, we, we played that show and Sharon was there and she was like, you guys are great. I was like, wow, thank you. And then we got wind from our manager. Sharon's flying out to Vegas to see you guys. Cause we were playing with Papa Roach and it was funny. It was us and Papa Roach for Papa Roach album came out before they broke and there was like 30 people in the club. There was nobody there. And Sharon was there. 
And she sat us down after it and she said, I'm signing you guys. I want you guys to be the first band signed to my label. And I want, you guys are going to be doing the Ozfest. And we're like, okay, that's great. We're fucking like, and, and our manager was like, so what about Columbia? We're like, fuck Columbia. We're going with Sharon, man. Like we're fucking going to Aussie's label. Like it doesn't matter. You know, we just want to be with Aussie. So we did that. And, uh, and then everything changed, man. We, you know, we did a record at A&M studios in LA. Um, and music started working for, for like, you know, three or four years. It really worked well. Mm-hmm. But then obviously nine 11 happened. And, and when nine 11 happened, the music industry changed. Um, Sharon lost her deal. We had to get another deal. We ended up signing to this label called Beeler Brothers that was through MCA. Um, it was an MCA subsidiary. MCA folded the week before a record came out. So it was just us with, on Beeler Brothers, which was in India then. We started going to Europe and Europe started popping. And then we had all this interest in Europe. And I was just kind of done, man. I wanted to do something different. And it's hard when you want to do something different, but you're in something that's doing okay. Right. You know? And you're just what- like... There's no, there's no, there's no sort of like, uh, there's not an exit that really makes sense. So I had to create, I had to create my own exit and I just quit. I got, um, my girlfriend at the time was pregnant. Um, she called me when I was on the road and she's like, I, I, I'm pregnant. I was like, Oh fuck. Okay. So I knew things were going to change. And I remember I was in Texas at the time on tour and, uh, I had to, you know, it was like, I didn't get home for like two, two months. I think it was another two months till I got back. And when I got back, you know, um, I was having a kid, you know, I was like, Oh shit. So I got back that Christmas. We played a show in Montreal and by mid January, I'd gotten a job in Montreal. I got a job at sunglass hut and I was like, I'm done. I got to fucking quit music. And I had to tell the guys. And and I remember I, I, you know, like, like anything, I didn't handle it well. I didn't go and, and try to do it the right way. I was just sheepish about it. I just didn't, I didn't meet it head on. I was like kind of, ugh, and I got ugh, results. So the guys weren't happy. And it's hard, you know, when I didn't talk to my guitar player for three years, we didn't chat at all. And we were best friends and we still are best friends. He lives two blocks from me, three blocks from me. And we, I mean, I talked to him yesterday. I saw him on Saturday night when we did this Bob Dylan tribute thing. He was playing with somebody else, but we saw each other. Like he just had, he had a kid, like his kids comes by every day with his mom. Like we're, we're really close, but we didn't talk for all that time because like typical fucking men who don't know how to share their emotions and, and be transparent. We didn't chat. We just went you know, and ignored, ignored. And it didn't. So, but what ended up happening was I got a foot out of music. I got to take some, get some perspective. I got to go back and really look at where I was going. And, um, I ended up, um, I ended up going to work for my dad for a bit and transport. And I really, really saw what it was like to, to do something you don't want to do. And I did that for years, maybe three years. And at one point I was like, this just isn't me anymore. And I got a call from CTV and they were looking for someone that was doing to do, um, uh, commentary, like pop culture columnist, you know, just chat about stuff. And I remember I went and I met with the, the anchor at the time, who's now the anchor at uh, CTV news channel. And, and he was a big nerd and he was just a big geek. And, and I remember the first segment that I did on CTV was for the Watchmen movie and it went well. And, and then they started using me more and it, got me out, it kind of gave me this confidence. I'm like, fuck, you can't just be this regular dude. Like that's not who you are. You know, you have more things that you need to do. And it's kind of weird because I've always thought of myself as just this regular guy. Like, I don't think of myself as anybody, but, you know, I'm like, I'm just, you know, just a dude. But I knew that there was more things I needed to do. And there was this calling that I had. And 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 I, I understand it more now being older. I just love, I'm a communicator. You know, I like to communicate. I like to have connections with people. That's what I enjoy the most. So 
I ended up getting a job at Shom. I did an audition. They were looking for somebody. Uh, it worked out. And uh, I've been at Shom for like 12 years now. So that's kind of like the roundabout way things happen. But music, I've kind of gave myself a pause with music. And I'm glad I did because I ended up realizing that there was a lot more to do. And a lot of people that do music don't get to do that because they're so fucking tunnel vision. This is all I'm going to do. This is all I'm going to do that they never get a chance to do anything else. And I think it's unfortunate because there's a lot of musicians that could do a lot of other things successfully, but some people fucking ride it into the ground. And yeah. I always, I always find, um, like I, I always say this too, is like, I love it when bands kind of go away for five or six years and come back because mm-hmm. they, it's like, they need that, they need that break, that creative yeah. break. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's the same thing with like, with film writing, anything like that, anything creative where it's like, if you can't, you know, a lot of writers will say that too, right. They'll say, well, you get writer's block, you just go and do something else. You come back to it later, yeah. fresh set of eyes, and maybe you read what you wrote before, what you wrote before. And it's just like, well, this is crap to start over, yeah. or maybe there's something there and I can, I can see it now. Um, so, so it, that's interesting. I had a quick follow-up question. Do you, sure. do you think, um, you might actually go back to any sort of acting or, or theater or, or well, finish that what you I started got, years I ago? Got, or no? I got offered a role in a movie, um, this movie called the demolisher. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. We, we know the director. I know you well. do. And, uh, he offered me a small role and, um, and I kept bugging him. I wanted to do something. I wanted to do something. And, um, I didn't get time off from work and they weren't, and, and it seemed like it was going to be a problem. So I said, listen, I don't think I can do it. And I kind of backed out at the last minute and I regretted it because then the movie went on to, you know, go to Fantasia. I think it did really well at Fantasia. I think it got an audience award and all that. And the director was a buddy of mine. What role, writer. what, what role did you, I think it was, you- I was one of the mechanics that gets his head bashed in. Okay. <laughs> and he had told me he had like my head cast and like, he was ready to like, <laughs> So I've always said to him, like, cause you know, Gabe's one of the guys I know who's a director. Um, and I've always, and I know he does his own projects and I always said, man, dude, like anything I want to do it. Like I really, really want to do it. So yes, there is the problem I have with acting now is that I had an agent for a while. Um, and I went on auditions and I didn't become actra and I could have got, gotten in on professional consideration. Like they would have, I would, they would have fast tracked me. I would have had to pay or something just to become an actor, but right, right, right. I just didn't like the idea of auditioning and I, and it's maybe it's cause I'm being a bit of a fucking prima donna or a baby, but I just couldn't see myself going and auditioning cause I didn't want it that bad. Do you know what I mean? Right. But if someone put me in a role, I would fucking give everything to it. Like I would, I would do, I would like everything. I would be like fucking fully full. Cause that's how I am. And my wife will tell you, like when I'm fucking focused on something, that's it, dude. Like, it's like, I don't see anything else. So if I did it, I would do it to the end of the earth, but I couldn't sit there and go, okay, well, we're auditioning for a commercial for a biker and then walk in with like, you know, five to 20 bald biker guys. Like, I'm like, oh fuck, this is cheesy. So I I did that a bit and I was like, but if it's creator, if it's a creator own project or if it's like, you know, like if, if it's something that's a startup thing and it's indie and I'm convinced that one day it'll happen, but, but yeah, I would, I, I mean, that was my first passion and I love film. I love uh, film as you I, know. I, I mean, wanted to ask you what role it was for the demolisher. Cause I'm in the demolisher and which is who a you fun in the fact. Demolisher? So I'm the, I'm the pawn shop owner. Oh shit. That's true. <laughs> so I get a call. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was just like, oh, I was like, oh man, I was like, that'd be, br-. I, I didn't actually know that. So I was yeah. like, oh, that, how, how funny would that be? Um, 
so so I remember uh, I got a call from somebody else was supposed to be that play that role. Right. And, and Gabe called me. I was at work, and he's like, "Dude, he's like, what are you doing at six p.m. tonight?" I was like, "I don't know, getting off work." And he's like, "Can you come down and be the pawn shop owner and demolisher?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, sure, sure. I'll, I'll just I'll just come straight down from there, right?" So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't take the role that 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 you were supposed to get because that that would have been pretty funny. Well, I would have been. I mean, I would have been happy because I, honestly, man, like, and I love Gabe. Like, he, I think he's a super talented dude. I'm a big fan of everything he does. I think he's a great musician too. I mean, it's and he's and he's really humble. You know, he's not one of these guys that's out there trying to get a bunch of attention for himself. He just wants to do good work. So, um, but yeah, no, it it it. I I, I definitely want to do something. I definitely want to do something one day again. Um, I, I loved doing. I loved acting back in the day. You know, like I loved it when I was doing it. I, I really did. I love theater and. It's something that I could see myself doing one day. I mean, I, I, I did some, I did a bit of it, a little bit of it, um, when I quit the band, but it was very small, very, very small stuff. Like it wasn't really anything. I didn't really commit to it, but it's kind of like when I quit music, I, people were like, well, you should be a wedding singer. I mean, fuck, you can make so much money in the weekends and still sing and still do your craft and not have to. And man, I fucking went to like three wedding band rehearsals and like if i was going to sing celebration one more time i would have blown my brains out <laughs> fuck that i'm not gonna do that so i don't know man I, I i think like you know if black font films messaged me and they were like hey we need you somewhere on set i'd be there in a minute dude we'll, we'll we'll keep just you saying. in mind man yeah i'll pass it on no I'll but, but, but i'm but sure chad's gonna listen to this episode so uh i i yeah I think that's another guy that's just so fucking talented, you know, and you guys have been knocking it out of the park. Like the last couple of things I've seen, like vicious fun and, and the Oak room were just so fucking good. So, well, thanks, um, man. Oh, but great. it's, but it's fun. It, I, I love the idea of doing fun things and new things. And, and like with music now, my attitude with music now, it's, it's gotta be fun and it's gotta be stress-free. Gotcha. You know, Cause my problem, like I mentioned, once I get involved with the project, I'm so into it that I don't see anything else. And with music, it's like that. You know, if I put out original music and I'm pushing it and I'm like, I want it to do well, I want it to succeed, you know? And if it doesn't, I'm fucking gutted. So I love doing music where, like I do, I have a music project with Ron English and Ron's a really, you know, Ron's like, they call him the godfather of street art. And he has a project called The Rabbits with three Bs. He sends me lyrics and there's a somewhat loose vocal melody and he's like, do what you want over it. And I'll do it. And I make it come, I make it come to life. I play this character called punk skunk and I do it and I love it because it's fun. It's stress-free. There's no pressure. And I send him stuff. He approves. If he doesn't, I go back and I try it again, but he's super encouraging. And I think for him, it's just art. And I like the idea that everything I do artistically now is just art. It's not work. It's art. You know, mm -hmm. unfortunately that's a bit of a bohemian way to think if you want to pay bills, but I have a job that pays bills. You know, so when it comes to the music part or anything yeah. like that, I never, like I did this the other day, I did this, um, Bob Dylan tribute. I was part of this Bob Dylan tribute thing in Montreal with a bunch of Montreal musicians. It was a really, really cool thing that was put together by one of the, one of the hosts on TSN and it was to celebrate eight, Dylan's 80th anniversary. So he asked me to sing Maggie's farm, uh, awesome. the, Rage, the Rage Against the Machine version. So I went up yeah. and I did that and it was so much fun. And I found out after he's like, everybody's getting paid. So just send us your, your receipt, you know, or, or, or your address and we'll send you. And I was like, donate mine to share the warmth, which is like a food, a food, um, and a, a food depot here. And I was like, I don't need it. It's fine. Like I, I didn't do it for that. You know what I mean? I did it just to do it. So 
I kind of like that, that idea behind it, you know, like it's, it's not pressure. It's just fun. Yeah. And that's, uh, so speaking of like new things, fun things, uh, Rockman power hour. Like, so how does this, how does all this stuff, all the stuff you just, you were just talking about. Yeah. This is all kind of culminated into this new podcast. This pretty much again, it's on YouTube. Uh, make sure you go check it out. And, uh, also on an Apple podcast and Spotify. So follow that stuff. Rockman power hour. Um, how, so all this stuff kind of comes together. How does that happen? And I know we've talked off the air before about uh, a little bit before we jumped on here, Yeah. but you know, it was kind of a work in progress. It was something you wanted to do long-term um, and when to launch it, pandemic happens, blah, blah, blah. Everyone knows that story, but, but how does all this stuff kind of, well, how do all these pieces fit together? And well, power hour was something that, um, it's funny because we did this other thing called the Rockman Power Hour maybe seven years ago, and it was skits. It was like goofy skits um, where we were, you know, we, we would, I would do these rants. I would do, um, you know, these different characters. I played uh, the Silver Surfer, and he was like a stoner surfer that was like, whoa, dude. <laughs> like we did all these crazy skits, and it was really fun. We did Tex Luther, who was um, like Lex Luther, but he was, te- but he was from Texas, and he was like racist, and he hated illegal aliens, Superman. Cause he was an alien. He was illegal. Right, right. God damn illegal aliens come from the sky. And so we did all these fun skits and they were called the rock and power hour, but it lasted me before episodes and it was just this goofy thing. So we had this name, but we loved it. And, um, I wanted to do a podcast. I- I've been wanting to do a podcast ever since I met my wife. We talked about doing one for 12 years. And at one point I was like, you know, I've been doing all this content for show and for iHeart, and, and it's where I work. And I love, like, I love working with them, you know, but the idea of having a longer format, sorry, my dog's barking, a longer format interview um, is appealing, you know, because when you do something for usually for radio or for, you know, for, for, for a corporation like that, they're, they're like, you know, seven, eight minutes, but I wanted to be able to chat like as long as I had to go. And right. I was really, really lucky to, um, I was really, really lucky to get the chance to, to do that a few times, but I would bring the interviews and they'd say, well, we got to cut that down to like 10 minutes. And I'll be like, but all the good stuff, you're going to miss all the good stuff. So the podcast format is really, you can do whatever you want. You know, if somebody swears, it's okay. If you go a little lot longer, like one episode's 47 minutes and the next episode's an hour and 27 minutes, it's fine. So I like, I was really, I, I like the idea of it all being whatever you want it to be. You know what I mean? Right. And be, and, and not being, you know, I had this one person that I worked for that I, I had the show on CJAD, which is a talk station here in Montreal. And I did it for about two and a half years and it was, it was called on the record. And I would grab public figures. Hang on a minute. I would grab public figures and we would talk about music, their journey in music. The first album they listened to, the uh, first band they went to see, first album they bought. Like there's a series of questions and we would talk all around that and we would play music. It was like a two hour show. And I had some really cool guests on that show. And I did it for about two, two and a half years maybe. And then I started building this house with my wife and and I just had no time to do it. But the most frustrating thing about it was that it was on AM radio and it played at two o'clock on Sunday and maybe, maybe it would re-air or, you know, it would air a second time sometimes. But it was frustrating because it was, the episodes are never loaded up line online after. It was just like, if you heard it, you heard it. If you didn't, you didn't. And the biggest complaint I got, people were saying to me, why aren't you putting these up online? where can I hear all your interviews? And they were kind of gone in the ether, you know? So I was like, man, it would be really nice to have all this body of work that you've built up in one place. 
So people can go back and listen to it again. And the podcast format is perfect for that because your podcasts are always going to be up on YouTube. They're always going to be there. So I had to, at one point, start my own thing. And I said, well, why don't we call it Rockman Power Hour? It's a great name. Um, it fits with what we're doing. And it just all fell into place. You know, it was just like, this is going to be the name of the show. This is going to work. And, and now it's just a matter of getting content every Friday. So that's the challenge. And it's also, you know, hoping people give a shit like anything you do, you know, you do it and you're like, so that's where it really gets down to what's your intention is your intention to do it because you want praise and you want people to go, this is amazing. And you want to do be popular and you want to be able to sell advertising or is your intention you want to do it because you want to have good conversations. And I have to force myself to remember that's what it's about. It's about having a connection. It's about being, you know, getting off the call and being on a high because you had such a great conversation and that's how it's been. It's just right. the back end shit that I hate, but that's, the necessary evil. I mean, you have to do that. Otherwise, that, that, that goes back to you uh, loving, uh, uh, like, like acting, but not right. wanting to not, do the. But auditions. not wanting to do the auditions, <laughs> and it's stupid because, because in my mind, I'm like, well, who the fuck are you to tell me that I can't do that? I know I can fucking do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I can do it as well as anybody in this room, and it sounds arrogant, but I know I can. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here wasting your time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then it's the gatekeeper shit, where well, we're going to decide. And it's like, no, you're not going to decide. Fuck you. I'm just not going to do it. And that's the problem. I have a bad attitude. <laughs> so thank you. After this is, exercise has made me realize I need to change my fucking attitude. No. I think which, it's, is a, which is a perfect attitude to have if you're uh, uh, the lead vocalist for a metal band, of course. But Yeah, but even so, man. Listen, <laughs> honestly, man, like I, I don't care anymore about um, – you know, do I care about success? Yes, I do care about success because I want people to hear what I'm doing. Cause I, yeah, of course, but you know, it's like anything you just gotta, you gotta anything. Everything takes work. Everything takes time. It has, it's consistency. It's doing everything professionally. It, it's all that, but you know, it's starting something new is really, it's terrifying. It's cause it's me on my own. You know, I've got partners, but you know, I mean, you, you guys know you run your own thing. I mean, it's, it's not easy to do your own thing and it takes a lot of blood, sweat and tears and a lot of, you know, suiting up, showing up, doing the best you can and, and hoping people care. And, but at the end of the day, the reason why, the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to talk to you. Like that's yeah, the yeah. Fun part of it. It's like well, we're chatting, you know what well, I mean? We were, we were joking about when we were talking about setting up this episode and, uh, I remember we were just chatting about, I had called you and said, okay, so here's the, here's the basis of the show and stuff like that. Here's what we can do. And, and, you know, just the format, just so, just so you weren't, you weren't going in blind. And we ended up, <laughs> I remember you saying, dude, it's like, we've been on the phone for like 50 minutes. Like we're going to yeah. have no problem thing up an yeah. hour. Talk, hey, what have you picked up? Like physical media, this and then whatever. And uh, uh, so, so we always get to chatting uh, and you always call me too. Like I remember, I remember there was one time where I messaged you about something. I can't even remember what it was. And you're like, dude, are you around? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just sitting around. And you called me and you're like, let's yeah. talk about this. And then, and we just ended up talking about movies. Yeah. Me. Cause I fucking hate texting. Like everybody does it right. Everybody texts everybody, but I, I, my kids can't stand it. Cause I FaceTime them all the time. Well, a, because I like to see them, you know, right. cause they're not, they're, they're not with me all the time. They're with me like half, half. So, and mm-hmm. I like to FaceTime them every day and chat with them, but I'm notorious for FaceTiming or for calling because I like to talk to someone. You know, I like to see them. I like to chat with them. I like to hear their voice. Like to me that, and, and it's so much quicker because sometimes your intention through text will get lost or through an email. My dog is amazing, by the way. She's seven months old and she fucking kicks the fucking door open when she comes back in. Like she just <laughs> kicks it open. We've been, my wife and I will be sitting on the couch and we've got this new puppy and, and she just like, 
don't know where the fuck she's from. I mean, I know where she's from. She's from James Bay, but this dog is crazy. She just kicked the door open again. I was scared the shit out of me. Sorry. <laughs> she wants in on this podcast. She wants man. in on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, okay. So now we're going to throw you on the, we're going to put you on the spot uh, okay. because we do a little thing called rapid fire and I have sure. to get it in because, because uh, I did a lot of work on this one because Call I knew you were coming it. on and I wanted to put you, uh, I wanted to put you on the spot and push okay. you, flip the tables on you, do uh, so to speak. Um, so let's just get to rapid fire. Of course I have to, um, I have to give our sponsors a quick shout out. Um, so uh, I got to reach back here, grab one of these Wellington breweries, uh, Hell's Lager. I got to open this up. I mean, it's just what we do to keep the lights on. Delicious. Kind of my halftime as well, but uh, Wellington <laughs> Breweries is, um, uh, they are located in Guelph. They're the, one of the oldest, oldest microbreweries in all Canada. Uh, you can actually sw- swing by their retail store in Guelph, or you can obviously pick up um, uh, some tins of uh, your favorite brand. Mine is Hellas Lager. Hellas Lager, hells yeah. And, uh, and you can pick it up at the LCBO wherever you pick up your adult beverages. So I know that's a beer sponsorship. So, and I knew that you wouldn't be interested in that. Fair enough. So I thought I would do the extra mile and, and give you a rapid fire that is all Dune based. Okay. Oh, sure. so instead of your, instead of five random questions, you're going to get five random questions about Dune. Okay. Uh, we talked about it at length. Of course, the new film came out this past yeah. uh, October. We both big fans of it. Um, and of course, if you want to see the episode with uh, Denny Villeneuve and Rebecca Ferguson, Rockman Power Hour, episode number one, check it out on YouTube because you interview both of those lovely people. Uh, and it's definitely worth checking out. So anyway, all right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Go for it. Okay. So yes or no. Now that Dune has a super cool adaptation, is it fair to say that Dune is now better than most of the Star Wars trilogies? Oh, God. Uh, not yet. Not fair. Not can't can't say it yet. Can't say that yet. Okay. I can't. I can't. I, I love love Dune, but I can't say it's. I can't say it's there yet. Got to see a second one. So we're gonna. So it's a. It's a. It's a. We'll take it as a no. But take it as a, a no with a with an asterisk. With an asterisk. Asterisk to right. be to be to be determined after number two. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, okay. So you got to pick one next question. You got to pick one. Uh, yeah. who you, you've, uh, you're a boxer. You've, you've yeah. done boxing as well. Uh, who wins in a boxing match between Josh Brolin's gurney Halleck or Patrick Stewart's gurney? Halleck? Josh Brolin buries him, buries him. No questions. Bur- asked. Buries him, buries him. What if that little dog is a distraction? Buries him. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Rapid fire. Uh, question number three, help us out. Uh, Dune's got some weird stuff in it. Uh, do you have a weird snack that you enjoy while watching movies? Oh, peanut butter, bananas, and uh, toast with maple syrup on top. Is that weird? <laughs> yeah. It's weird for me because I hate bananas. So Okay. There you go. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, rapid question. Uh, rapid fire. Question number four. Uh, what do you want? Uh, one casting for Dune that hasn't been announced yet for part two is obviously the character of Fade. Uh, mm. And I don't, I can't, I don't actually, maybe you can clear this up. I don't know if it's Harkonnen or Harkonnen. I always said Harkonnen. Harkonnen. Harkonnen, right? Yeah. So Fade Harkonnen hasn't yeah. been cast. Of course, for those of you who don't know out there, that was the role that Sting played. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the musician Sting, not the wrestler Sting, but played yeah. in the original 1984 Dune uh, David Lynch adaptation. Um, who would you like to see step into that role? Harry Styles. Really? No questions asked? Yeah. No questions asked. He'd be, he's, he's a beautiful boy and he'd be great. And how he's, come? It, it, because he's a musician as well too? Or just, just because? Nah, I, just think he, I just he, think he, he fits it. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Okay. 
All right. Yeah, I, could see him, I could see him oiled up in the loincloth. He'd be great. <laughs> I know like, like that after what's that yeah. thing? Like, like, cotton cloth. I don't know. I've got, I've got a pop figure of it. I mean, I don't know what it is, but it's, 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 loiny. Uh, it's, I, it's oily I, and it's loiny. Uh, I talked to someone who said, why don't they just cast sting again? Like a sting. I mean, he looks probably as good as he did back then. Freaking yeah. Hell. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, okay. Fair enough. Uh, we didn't, we didn't tell you these questions beforehand either. So you yeah. just know this stuff. This is how much. Harry Styles. Last question, rapid fire, question number five. Tell us more. Yeah. Who is a talent from Dune that you haven't interviewed yet, but you would like to in the future and why? Oh God. Well, Josh, you said Josh Brolin. He's someone I'd love to chat with hundred um, uh, percent. Dave Batista, haven't chatted with him. Love to chat with Dave. Another guy who I find would be really interesting, but Brolin, I think, I, I, you know, there were so many great actors in that movie and there's so many of them that I, I, there's actually very few in that. And it's funny because a lot of times when you talk to people from studios, um, that, you know, s- s- certain people that have worked with certain studios, you've chatted with them before because they've worked like, you know, Vera Farmiga. I've talked to Vera Farmiga about three or four times because she's been in a lot of Warner stuff. So that was one of the the ones where, I mean, yes, I, I have talked to Jason Momoa several times. So I've interviewed Momoa. Um, but Josh Brolin, hands down, I would love to chat with Josh Brolin because he's done so much fucking shit that I love. Yeah. So and, much he, and, love. and an amazing actor. I amazing think. actor. Um, you know, a real philanthropist, just a, just a really, really cool dude. And I know a lot of people that know him that say he's really cool, like a really great, great guy. So. And it's funny too. It's like, I think I've mentioned this in the program before, but um, I only had one experience of Jason Momoa. I know I didn't get one of those, like the, the couples uh, shots that you do at Comic-Con. I don't know if you've seen that where he's, (laughs) he's, he's like picking up the girls and hang and he's like pushing the guys away. Uh, Not that, but I was at, uh, we were at fan expo Mm -hmm. and uh, we had that black Fawn bar and, 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 sitting there just doing our thing and jason momoa walked by and it was before he was after he'd done game of thrones but before aquaman had come out yeah so he's just walking around like i like he'd never be able to do that now no no and uh i remember like i saw him walk by and i did the i like i pointed at him like not directly at him like i i thought his back was kind of towards me and i and i yeah. pointed and i said huh i go that's jason momoa and he heard me and he turned around and he gave me like the surfer hand yeah. and he's yeah. he just like what's up brother and i was like ah. Oh. <laughs> So, but I heard that guy's a super cool guy. He's very nice. He's super cool. He's very nice. He's, um, he's kind to everybody that he meets and he's, uh, yeah, man, I met him really early on. Um, like really early on before God, I think he just finished game of Thrones. So, um, yeah, we, we, I met him quite, quite a few years ago in Montreal and he was just great. He was just great. Awesome. Well, listen, that does it for our rapid fire section. Uh, thanks for being such a good sport about that. Yeah, no uh, but I figured, Hey, I figured I put, I figured I put up dune spin. It was either a dune spin or a Mad Max spin. I wasn't yeah, sure yeah. <laughs> you, would, you would gravitate towards, but because of the tie into the show again, uh, brought to you by Wellington breweries, Hellas lager. Uh, they sponsor us, keep help us keep the lights on, help us keep us fueled up on the road as well as at home. And also, of course, if you want to check out the interviews that, uh, that Jason's done with, uh, with the cast of director of dune, Denny Villeneuve, as well as Rebecca Ferguson, check out rock and power hour, uh, which is episode number one on YouTube as well as Spotify and Apple. So listen, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, I got to just, I got to do some, just some general self-promotion because uh, that's what we do here at Black Fawn. Uh, and then after the break, let's talk about maybe some stuff to do with uh, Rip Goat and Comic-Con. Cool. Okay. We'll be right Great. back. Yeah.
Maestro. Movies, merchandise, available now at blackfawndistribution.com. All right, and we're back. And I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to uh, the people who provided the music for tonight's episode. Uh, of course, our kick-ass intro theme, uh, which still needs a name. If anyone wants to give our intro track a name, uh, hit us up on Instagram or whatever. Uh, but it was um, uh, produced by... An- written by Derek Prince Cox, friend of the show. Uh, you can check him out at facebook.com slash the walk show and at the walk show on Instagram. Of course, Ben living uh, did our new segment beats, which is, uh, which are super awesome. And I don't know if you can guess the movie from that, but keep it to yourself. Tell me after, but uh, we did include some samples in there. That should be, uh, that should be pretty fun. And also as well, just that commercial uh, music provided by Fox grinder. Uh, you can catch them on Instagram and Facebook as well. So big thanks out to the musicians, of course, out there. Uh, they kind of did us a solid and, and were able to provide some really cool tunes. And, and I think it's, you know, it's up the production value. We're into phase, phase two of the takeover Tuesday. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, they've all got music that you can get online. Uh, they've got some free tracks you can download as well. And of course, um, Derek has uh, his own podcast called the walk show. Uh, make sure you check that out as well. He does a lot of uh, interviews with musicians and, uh, indie bands and that sort of thing uh, from around Southern Ontario and beyond. Um, so check him out on Spotify and Apple podcasts as well, but, uh, let's jump back in here. I know we had a, you had a hard out, you gave me a hard out time, but but also as well, we were like, we're going to go over an hour for sure. So we're in overtime <laughs> now. Um, thanks a lot for sticking around. Of course, um, uh, let's talk about merchandise because I just did a, a, a shameless self-promotional plug commercial there to, for everyone to check out our stuff at blackfondistribution.com slash store. Um, but um, you're also half of, of Rip, Goat Clo- Rip Goat Clothing. Yeah, I'm wearing this hat right now. I noticed. Which, very nice. <laughs> which is banging, by the way. I love this hat. I wear it all the time. And um Tell us about, tell us about that. Cause that's, you've been doing that for a couple of years now too. And I know that we've sent you a bunch of money because I remember I talked to Chad once and he goes, no, was it Chad? No, I talked, yeah, I talked to Chad, I think. And as well as G and they were just like, well, I know, I don't know. They're like half my paycheck goes to Jason Rockman now because like, <laughs> they always put on a new t-shirt and I'm sitting at home, got nothing to do. So yeah, I'll order the Lenny shirt. Uh, yeah. And I'm the same way. Cause you were like, you always post stuff online that you're like, um, everything I buy from you is like limited edition. Like yeah. you're like, we're doing these hats. There's only like, you know, there's only a few of them. And I bought a hat and then you, you posted something saying, I've only got large windbreakers left. I've only got this one large. <laughs> windbreaker. And I was like, dude, I need that in my life. So I ordered, but talk is, talk to us about, you've got all this other shit going on. You got, this, yeah. and now you've, you also have the successful clothing company as well that you run with a partner. Yeah. Um, what's the deal? So my friend Rob and I, um, he's also the bass player in Slaves on Dope. Um, we, we, for years, we wanted to start a, a clothing company. He had started one um, years ago, and uh, that's how we kind of first met. Um, we met, and he gave me a couple of shirts to wear on CTV. And uh, we kind of became friends, and then um, he auditioned for Slaves on Dope. The first time around, when we were looking for a new bass player, we ended up going with somebody else. And then when that guy left, um, when Seb left, we we got um, Rob came and joined the band. And Rob and I, like, we have a lot of similar interests, and he's really a great designer. He does, Rob's like the whole brains behind the designs, you know, like, we'll discuss who we want to do. And the whole idea of, of Rip Goat is, you know, it's the acronym is, you know, rest in peace, greatest of all time. So yeah. we'll take fallen heroes, people have passed away um, that have been really popular in pop culture, and we'll do a shirt on them. Obviously, we do, um, you know, we have, they have a certain look, they'll be black and white, their eyes will be whited out. Um, and, and it's just been something that we've really been having a lot of fun with. And I, I, we just started off with, let's just do a pre-order on a shirt and see how it does, you know? And, and our first shirt was, uh, Freddie Mercury, I believe. And, um, and it went like gangbusters. So no, our friend first shirt was a goat with the logo. And then we did Freddie Mercury 
and then it just it was just like a little like a I, I tell, I'll always tell people they'll be like, well, what's Rip Goat like to you? And I'll tell them, well, it's it's kind of like some guys go and play pickup hockey. You know, they'll have a beer league. They'll they'll have a softball team. Well, Rip Goat's like my extracurricular activity. You know, it's just a fun thing that Rob and I do when we feel like dropping a shirt. We'll do it. Um, there's a little bit more stuff. It's a little more involved than just that. You know, um, and it got to a point where we were doing a lot. Like we were putting out a shirt every, like every week we we're dropping a new shirt and it was, it was crazy. So it, it was a lot of fun. And we've, we've put out a lot of stuff in the last three years. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, my wife, Julia got involved uh, in the last like year and a half. She helps us out a little bit on the back end, And, but you know, it, it's something that's a, another labor of love and that I really, really enjoy. Like I love the idea of, of making merch because for me, it's always, you know, like someone sends you a t-shirt and when it's not on a great shirt, you're like, oh, I'm not stoked to wear it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I always want to try to make sure that stuff is on good shirts, that the st- stuff is good quality and that, um, and that people enjoy wearing it. And, that, and that's what makes me really happy is when, you know, when like a c- couple of weeks ago we did Ottawa comic-con, we did like us the holiday edition at Ottawa comic-con and we set up for the first time at a con. And yeah. I saw it, that. Yeah. We're doing it again this weekend in Montreal. And, and it was really satisfying to see all the shirts, you know, the ones we had left over, um, up on the wall like that and have people come by and go, wow, you know, we had a sign and everything. It was like, oh shit, you know, because usually we're just an online business. We've never been set up. Um, sorry, my dog is, we brought home a piece of pita bread <laughs> from lunch and the dog is just freaking out over that. Um, so we never, we were never able to really have all our stuff in one spot. So to be able to see it like that was really, really cool. Um, but it's, it's just like an online, an online business that, um, that people really, really enjoy. And, you know, we've had some really cool people wear it. Like George Strombo was really into the brand for a while and he was wearing the stuff. We've had a lot of really cool musicians that have grabbed it and, and worn it. And um, it's just a fun thing. It's a super fun thing to do. And it's just a hobby, but it's a, but it's a fun little hobby to have, you know? And, uh, and it's fun. Like when, when I would see orders coming from you guys, I was like, oh, cool. The guys are digging it, you know? So it's, <laughs> it's, it's fun to see, you know, people support it and at the same time really be excited and like, oh, you should do this person next. And oh, and like, you know, someone will die and they'll be like, you should do this shirt. And I'm like, whoa, like, you know, we usually like to give it a bit of time. We don't like to put it up the next day because yeah. it's kind of like tasteless. But the reality is that there's a lot of people that want a shirt from someone that they really like or that have passed away and there's just no merch for them. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it's like one right. of these things where, but then again, because of licensing and all that, we try to do stuff really, really limited and we're in and out. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not putting stuff up in hot topic and, you know, in journeys and stuff like we're, we want it to be limited. We want it to be like, if you got it, when you got it, you got it. And if you have it, you're lucky to have it because we're not pressing it again. That kind right. Of thing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you mentioned, uh, um, uh, Comic-Con. Uh, yeah. so, uh, both Montreal comic-con and, well, I know there's a whole series. Is it Montreal comic-con and Ottawa comic-con? So our, there- our, our fat, like our, our group have Montreal, Ottawa, Quebec, and Winnipeg comic-con. Right. So we just had our first edition in Winnipeg. Um, and it was, it was brilliant. We had it over, um, hol- Halloween weekend and it was just great. So we, <laughs> wow, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. So we, we've just been, uh, we, we've been really, really lucky to have, um, you know, like a lot of support in all these markets and obviously started with Montreal, like almost uh, like 12 years ago now and, uh, or almost 13, I guess. And it just, I kind of got involved with it from, from its infancy. One of the first shows I went and I, I wrote an article for, for a local paper that I was writing for at the time. And, and then my relationship just grew. And then it was like, well, you should be our spokesperson. And then they started Ottawa and I was the Ottawa spokesperson. And I just kind of kept going 
and I love it because I mean, I'm promoting an event that I really believe in. Like it's it, these cons, as you know, any show like that, it just brings joy to people. There's nothing mm-hmm. negative about it. You know, it just comic cons are, are a place where people really get to celebrate. They get to be with like-minded people that feel the same way, way they do about something, you know, it's like if you work in an office and you're super passionate about game of Thrones, but everybody in your office is like, fuck do you care about that? And you're like, well, no, man, I cosplay is like Drago and stuff. And people are like, what's wrong with you (laughs) but if you go to a comic-con you'll meet people that are the same as you and it's nice and you see people that it's like a con family like they see each other you know once a year at this convention and then and it's just it's a lot of fun and and people that travel and do conventions you know as you guys know it's it's just a great vibe you know we just did yeah we just went down to frightmare in the falls uh, yeah i saw that niagara falls and it was like it was so awesome to see everybody again yeah. in, in an environment that was just like, Hey, cool. Let's hang and let's go. You know um, it was, it was like, you just realize how much you miss it. And oh um, yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing, I mean, nobody wants to talk about the pandemic anymore. I know like, no. you know, Omicron or whatever the fuck it's called is coming out, but <laughs> like the new edition, but like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's just, but at the same time, I think, um, you know, not, not, not discounting anything, but, that's happened to people. It's been tough on a lot of people for sure and various yeah. reasons, but, but I do feel it's allowed people to realize kind of what things meant to them before hundred yep. um, percent and coming back and kind of like what we were talking about earlier about, you know, taking that break. Like for me, because I think, I mean, as well, like, I mean, I can talk from, from our perspective is that once you do it from a while and you can, you can, I'm sure you can, you can, you can relate to this from being in a band on the road for so many years is like you get grinded down a bit. Yeah. And you're like, you're not as like bright eyed, bright, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed yeah. on, on the, on the 18th show as you were on like the, the second. Yeah. And, uh, um, but I, I thought like, you know, it was great for us to have a rest. We kind of built out some other stuff and then got right back into it. And it was really, really great to see everyone and the guests oh, yeah. and the showrunners and that sort of stuff too. Right. So we're, we're excited to come back at some point to Montreal comic-con because we want to get yeah. back up. There. Oh yeah. Hell yeah, man. I remember, I remember the first time, first couple of times you guys came and it was really fun and, the shows are, shows are fun. And, and I'm glad because this year, you know, we, we have our small holiday editions that we were, we're finally able to do in person and, and our new, you know, our, our, our 2023, um, editions are coming next year. And we're, we're excited about that, man. We're super stoked. You know, we're super, super stoked. Well, we're going to try and get up there, uh, at least at the minimum, Ottawa, probably in Montreal as well. Cause it'd be great to come back to the city. We've got so many friends in Montreal that we haven't seen. I should forever. say 20, I said 2020, I meant 2022. Right. <laughs> right. I don't even know what year we're Yeah. Know. See you in 18 oh. months, man. <laughs> yeah. But, but our next, but our show is going to be happening. Uh, you know, all our shows are on, on point to happen in next year, which is going to be phenomenal, you know, perfect. Yeah. Because, and, and it was funny because we did Quebec and Quebec was the first one that we had done. It was like, literally we did the Quebec comic-con. It was the day after the Quebec government announced that you could have events in convention centers with no capacity. So I was like, wow. And just the vibe in the room was amazing. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, you're masked up. You got all this shit. You got to wash your hands. Regardless, it did a lot of good for people. Again, going back to why these events are important. So that's why I'm involved with them. Dude, that's, and you know what? I'm going to tell you this right now. It's kind of the same thing, like riding public transit. Like I can tell you from working a bunch of cons, like at yeah. a, at a, like at a booth all weekend. Yeah. Some days, like three or four days, like whatever is going around the convention center, you have yeah. it by the end. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. I'm hopeful that I, I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe I don't get that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So well, we'll I tell you, man, you wear masks all the time. They're saying, my dog's really excited. They're saying that the, uh, when you wear masks all the time now that the, the idea of getting sick is just, it's going away. I mean like the flu and, and colds and all that, like nobody's getting sick. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That's a good, yeah. I don't get the cold anymore. Or, no. I mean, and that's what, great. you know, I went and got a flu shot yesterday because I got it last year and it was just, it was great. You know, I didn't get sick and I, I got it again this year. And the, the guy was telling me like, that's the thing with the, the flu shot. Like we're telling people to get it even more this year because nobody's been getting sick because we've been wearing masks, but our immunity's low. Right. You know what I mean? Cause we're, you know, it's like kind of like antibacterial soap this is the best thing. Well, yeah. you know, it's funny too, because I mean, I thought as well, like, uh, so I started getting the flu shot, uh, um, and before I never used to get it cause I was younger and I just, I was like, I don't really need it. I thought it was just for like, you know, re- realistically, I just thought it was old people need the flu shot. They can't afford to get the flu. And then the older I got, the more informed I got about it. And I was like, you know, cause I still got buddies that are like, oh, well, you know, it's only 20%, 20% successful some years and some years it's 80, 70%. Like it's a best guess. Like they don't yeah. really know what they're doing. And I'm still like, yeah, but. I don't have time to get the flu. Like I don't have time to. Be- I know. I know. And that's the thing. Like I don't want to, I don't have exactly like you're saying. I don't, I, I do not have time to fucking get sick at all. You know, yeah. I, do I not can't do it. And, no. and you know, the last time, the last couple of times I've had it too. And I don't know if this is, I mean, you know, whatever, but, uh, it's been really bad. And I think that's probably cause I'm a bit older now and whatever, but it's like, you know, you're, you're laid out, man. You can't do anything and you just feel like shit anyway. So yeah. Yeah. It's like, even if it's like a 20 cent, 20% chance. Uh, um, yeah. So yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, listen, uh, I know that, uh, we're in overtime. Let's, uh, let's wrap things up. Um, I would just, uh, um, we're going to have you, I think back on at some point. Anytime. So Anytime. we didn't even, and I just want to talk about how much stuff you have going on is because we didn't even get to talk about physical media or yeah. 4k or anything like that. And I'm not going to start that right now. Cause we're talking <laughs> for another hour. Well, listen, like we're both big fans of that. You know, um, you were talking about the arrow release. Like I have that release. Um, you know, I, I'm one of these guys kind of like you that I'm not, you know, I'm not freaked out about spending 60 bucks on a release. And a lot of people are like, why would you do that when you can just stream it? I mean, you don't fucking get it. Like it's having the physical thing. Yeah. It's like when you want to watch it, it's there. And there's so many companies now that are doing such great jobs with collector's editions and they're really appealing obviously to the collector. I mean, the collector will want these things and, and the reality is if you're a fan of something, you're willing to shell out, um, for a good edition of it, you know, um, mm-hmm. picking up those, I don't know if you know, those John Carpenter studio canal, John Carpenter releases that they did. Um, right. you know, they did the thing, Prince of Darkness, uh, escape from New York. They live, um, and I can't remember the last one, but there was like five of them that came out and they were like four disc editions, all this stuff, but it was, they were only in the UK. I remember missing them the first time they came out. And when they did the one for the thing, they re-released them and I got them all. And there's like five of them. I didn't care what they cost. I just wanted them, you know? And, and that's the thing. Like I get it. Like, but, but if you don't get it, then you don't, people won't get it at all. Like they don't understand. It's just like, they're, it's clutter. What do you, you know? How do you have room for all that stuff? Don't worry about it. Find room. (laughs) I keep joking around. I keep joking around with my, my spouse and saying, I, we need we need a bigger house, and she's yeah. like she's like you just want a bigger house so you can have more stuff. And yeah. I'm like no no of course not. And she's Pretty like much. yes, and I go yeah that's true. That's yeah. That's actually I keep looking around. I'm like all right, well that cabinet's got half movies. What's in the other <laughs> side of that cabinet? Oh, I can get rid of some of that shit to make room for it. You know? <laughs> so uh, listen, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just I know you gotta go. I know you're you're a busy dude. Like we've already established, um, <laughs> and, and and you've got a ton of stuff on the go. Um, but listen, before I let you go, um, how can people uh, like what, what can you tell everyone about what you have coming up next? And if people want to reach out to you and get in touch, uh, how can they do that? Well, um, I mean, right now it's, you know, uh, it's 
Rockman Power Hour. That's the main thing that's going on. Um, new episodes every Friday. If you go to YouTube and you just uh, keyword the Rockman Power Hour, you'll find the page. You just subscribe and you won't miss an episode. Uh, it's on all podcasting streaming platforms too. So if you like to listen to your podcasts rather than watching them, you can hear it there. Um, that's that's the main thing right now. Obviously, I'm on show Monday to Friday. Um, you can listen to it on the iHeartRadio app in Canada. Uh, and you know, that's my main gig. That's my, my main love right now is obviously it's radio. You know, I've been doing that forever and I love that gig. Um, but you know, between those two, I, I'm, I'm pretty busy, you know? And, and then of course in 2022 or 2023, I'm going to make my, my Canadian film debut in a black Fawn films production. So that's like, it's, that would be besides that. I mean, we're good, you know, but that's the only way we're going to get you back in the fucking program. Right. <laughs> uh, no, but you can find me on, uh, uh, you can find me on Instagram at the real Jason Rockman. That's probably the easiest place to find me. Awesome. Yeah. We've been posting photos uh, all day. Thanks for, thanks for supplying the content. Uh, hopefully yeah, everyone can, you can check out uh, um, uh, the Jason, sorry, the Rockman power hour on YouTube, as, as you mentioned, Spotify and Apple. Uh, and of course, please follow uh, Jason Rockman at the real Jason Rockman, along with black Fawn distro, of course, at black Fawn distro on the old Instagram. And uh, listen, um, if you're, if you're listening to the program, we really appreciate it. Just remember to like, follow, share, and subscribe both our program, Black Fawn Distro's Takeover Tuesday, as well as the Rockman Power Hour, hosted by my guest today, Jason Rockman. So um, just stay on after we get off the air, because uh, I just want to catch up on a couple things. But um, thanks again for for, for joining us. Um, I know it's I know it's a big time commitment, so we really do appreciate it. All good, man. And, Happy uh, to do it. And hopefully we can we hopefully we can hang out in person uh, over uh, you know some coffee and some cigars maybe at some point. Uh, we will have to do that <laughs> in, in Montreal. I'm I'm sure uh, I'm sure sure the people you live with will be thrilled to know that we're coming over. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, until next time, everyone. Thanks again for tuning into uh, Blackmont Distro's Takeover Tuesday. I'm your host Benner from Blackmont Distro, and uh, we will see you in a couple of weeks with our next guest. Uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram to find out who that is. And uh, until then. Make yourself useful. Go check out the Rockman Power Hour on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again, Rockman. Really appreciate it. We'll Take see it you easy, soon. Bud. All right, man. And that does it for another episode of Black Fawn Distro's Takeover Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed tonight's episode, please remember to like, follow, share, and subscribe, and help us spread the word about the program and our incredible guests. If you're interested in grabbing some more information about Black Fawn Distribution or want to check out our film titles and merchandise, you can find us online at blackfawndistribution.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, Wellington Breweries Hellas Lager, Deadly Grounds Coffee, Twisted Teas, and of course, Black Fawn Distribution. Just a reminder, you can always catch Black Fawn Distro's Takeover Tuesday live on Facebook, YouTube, and our other social media platforms. Or pick up one of our retransmissions on any of the major streaming platforms. Until next time, I'm your host, Benner, from Black Fawn Distro, and we'll see you soon.